their pants off in labour. Every individual pregnancy and labour and birth and postpartum period that you will go through will be unique. A caesarean can be natural in the sense that that's what was naturally meant to happen. This is a rite of passage that each woman goes through. So you can't just say this is the best thing for every woman to do because it's so individualized. But I look back on it now that I have more knowledge and go, "Mm." you've quickly realized your life is different to before. Long gone are the days of silence and a strong pelvic floor. Modern motherhood isn't as glamorous as they portray, but trying as it is, we wouldn't have it any other way. Let's remove the stigma, talk candidly and have some fun. The more you listen, the more you'll realize you're not the only one. Right here, I promise, is where you'll find a safe space. So if you're looking for some mum life balance, you've come to the right place. So pop in your headphones while you're doing a chore or pop a bottle while you listen in to new friends you'll adore. The struggles, the highlights, a little deep, a little funny. Welcome to Mummy Republic, where you'll find the me before mummy. Birth. It can be beautiful for some, traumatic for others. And yet in either case, in any case, it's always a hot topic of conversation. Whether you choose to do it in the woods, surrounded by nature, or you prefer to elect for a C-section, the truth is there is no right or wrong. So in 2021, can we please normalize that there's no such thing as a normal birth? Welcome back to another episode. We have a bit of a conversation today which I'm sure that you've all discussed with your girlfriends and that is around the topic of birth and I'm joined by my beautiful friend Dana hey girl hey. <laughs> this is actually my first um non-face-to-face interview of the new season but I have you on video and I've got you on audio so I love that I can still see your face yes <laughs> and you get to see me in all my glory looking like a hobo thank you, you. Not. <laughs> bless you cotton socks um now I thought that you were ideal to have this conversation with me because not only are you pregnant with your fifth child mm-hmm. bloody superwoman an emphasis um, on the fifth <laughs> yes and um you're actually also a qualified midwife Mm -hmm. now are you working as a midwife at the moment I am yes yes so I did want to stress though this is not a um I want you to sort of keep your midwife hat on but I'm not expecting you to give medical advice and none of what we talk about in this episode is actual medical advice you still need to go and see your practitioners all that kind of jazz but we're just going to have a chat it's just entertainment purposes only Absolutely. With a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of everything. Um, Obviously, you have four children at the moment. You're about to have another one. Mm -hmm. You've been a mom since you were 19, so it's been a massive part of your life. But can you tell me about a time when you were like one of those have kids, they said moments where you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. This is being a mom, whether it's like a poo-nami. It's always a poo story. As soon as you said that, I'm like... There's probably a thousand stories that popped into my head. Every one (laughs) of them has something to do with poo, okay? Like if gastro hits the house, we've got four kids. Like it's going to hit every single child. You can try to isolate as much as you can, but your attempts will be (laughs) futile. (laughs) For some reason, that freaking germ just loves to go through every single person in the household so we've had like hubby and I thank god for him by the way um nights where one kid gets it and we just look at each other and we're like 
oh fuck here we go like here we go and it'll be I'm looking after one kid that's the our eldest like he sleeps through anything so I went to check on him when he had gastro one night I think he was the second one to get it the baby was the first and I was like oh good he's asleep he's feeling okay we had pasta for dinner chicken like creamy pasta anyway I was like why does his room smell disgusting he's asleep but there's vomit all through his hair all through the bed all over the carpet my daughter comes up to me she's like mommy I don't feel well vomits all over my feet like it just you know you just have to take it in your stride I think Hashtag this is motherhood. Yeah, you just need to be, you know, like, look, shit happens and that's okay. Shit and vomit happens. Literally it happens. (laughs) Yep. Now, obviously every birth is so different and, I mean, I've only had two kids but my experiences were polar opposite. Mm. You're about to have your fifth. How have your views on birth changed? Obviously being a midwife and then having four children previously yes like I'm sure they've changed heaps right massively massively and it's because every individual um pregnancy and labor and birth and postpartum period that you will go through will be unique like no two are the same no two women will have the same experience and that's what's so special about it I suppose there's a whole set of Um, and you would know this as well, so many things that you learn about yourself and about the world and others that, yeah, you just experience every single time, like new things again and again and again. So um, for me, like I had my first baby when I was 19 and um, I was not a midwife, didn't know (laughs) a lot about birth. Like I just walked in there and was, you know, just had a baby essentially Um, and then, you know, the next time I was like, I really want just like one midwife. So I went through the birth center and I wanted to have a water birth and did that. And with my third, I did the same, but I had started my midwifery study. So I've done it like before I was a midwife, while I was a student midwife. And, um, since then being a registered midwife, I've given birth. And now I'm doing it again. <laughs> so I'm really even, into birth. <laughs> oh man, so much birth. Um, but I can't even begin to tell you like how much has changed in my mind. So yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy, right? Like the first time that you go to give birth, it's such a new experience and you don't know what to expect. And I think like a lot of us are getting better now about being open around birthing and that it's not as straightforward and and I guess that's the whole point of today's topic around the fact that there is no normal birth and you just assume that oh yeah you know people have been doing this for years like it'll all be fine but Mm. I know for me like I had Peyton when I was 24 I think I had a vaginal birth and you know I was quite lucky in the scheme of things but even the whole process of going to give birth is so different now like there's all these options there's hypnobirthing and there's home birthing and all of that kind of stuff yeah up until this point have you had all the kids in the hospital um I had the first three in the hospital so I just did like and I wanted to ask you the question did you know what modes of care you had available to you when you had Peyton absolutely not no (laughs) 
no. And I went through the public system, yes, uh, which I, I've actually been public both times yep. and had an amazingly beautiful experience both times. Like I was very well looked after. But when it came to, um, yeah, I guess really understanding the different levels of care, absolutely not. I had no idea. No, no idea. idea. And, and I was exactly the same. It was, you know, I just went to the GP. I'm pregnant. Where to from here? Well, here's your yeah. referral to the hospital. Um, no chat even about the possibility that I may want to choose my own practitioner privately or whether I wanted to have a home birth even. It was just like, here's the local hospital, sending a referral there. I rocked up there and they're just like, no, <laughs> oh, like what mode of care do you want? Do you want to go in the birth centre or do you want like MGP or do you want this? I'm like, I don't know. Like you yeah. tell me, I'm not the expert. Um, I feel like MGP, I don't even know if that was, a thing when I had Peyton. Yeah. Like, is that a recent thing? No, it probably, it, it existed back then. Yeah. It's just that you don't, not everyone doesn't know about it, but if you're not looking into it before you fall pregnant, you don't really have much of an idea unless you have like a close friend or a family member that can let you in on this thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I did GP shared care when I, um, when I had my first, I just saw my GP and I, sh- I saw like whatever midwife it was that was at the hospital, you know, rostered on for that day. Yeah. And, um, it was after then that I realized I really would like to have continuity of care, which I did have with my GP, but I was still being shared with a GP and random midwives. So, um, the gold standard of care, and we've learnt from all the research that's available, is having a known care provider throughout your journey is like the best outcomes for mum and baby. So yeah. um, that's why I chose Birth Centre for the next two. And then when I had Lennox, my fourth baby, um, I changed hospitals to the one that I was working at and I was doing um, MGP there as well, um, but I ended up birthing him at home. So... Yeah. Was that intentional or was that like a last minute, um, oh shit. I it was a wing um, accident. <laughs> <laughs> Smooth. Yeah. That is actually terrifying. And I think like if you ask a lot of mums who aren't midwives or don't have that experience with birth, that's like one of those fears, right? You don't want to accidentally give birth at home or on the side of the road and whatnot. But it's funny now, a lot of mums are physically choosing to have home birth yes. when, you know, they're setting up that experience. Yep. Do you, are you intending on doing that for you, for this baby? Well, I've got a private midwife this time. So when I fell pregnant, I said to my husband, look, <laughs> Because it's technically called a free birth if you don't have like a healthcare provider at the birth. So mm. I just had hubby at the birth and um, my birth photographer. So the plan was that she would come at home and if the birth was progressing really quickly, which it had like each of my births got quicker and quicker, um, where my third one was like 50 minutes. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was an induction though. So different oh, okay. kind of, yeah. Yeah. But so I'm like, if it's happening quickly, we'll get the photographer to come here. And if I feel like it's really dragging out and I do want to go to hospital, she can just follow us in the car so that if we need to pull over and I'm having a baby, she can be there as well. Yeah. Um, but she just turned up at home and I was like, okay, no, 
we're not going anywhere. Like I'm having the baby here. So um, my hubby was like the Akusha, the one that caught the baby. Um, And he was not really like on board during the pregnancy because I sort of told him, I was like, look, I actually kind of want to have a home birth. And um, I did inquire with midwives, but September is like notoriously the busiest month for babies like it's baby month it's like after Christmas and New Year's it just happens so um there wasn't anyone with any availability um and I kind of felt backed into a corner because I just had this yearning to birth this baby at home so um yeah like I would say to Bo no I want to have the baby at home and he's like oh like, don't be silly. Like he had these fears surrounding birth, like we all do. Like we all have fears that we need to face. Um, but when it came to the point where I, I realized that I was in labor, I woke him up and I said, no, it's happening. And I actually didn't know where he would stand, whether he'd be like, well, come on, like get in the car, let's go. But he was just like, okay, do you want me to fill the birth pool up? And I was like, you sneaky bugger. Like, yeah and he was just like he was an amazing support and like after the whole event I said to him why were you suddenly just like okay we're doing it and he said the whole time you would mention having the baby at home I knew there was no change in your mind like I knew we were going to have the baby at home so I was just like whatever (laughs) smart boy (laughs) so that's fine um but I reassured him this time because I know that he felt Um, a degree of pressure as you would if you were the person that was there um, you know to sort of I guess protect the space or yeah just feeling a little bit on edge and I didn't want him to feel like that so I said don't worry this time we'll get a private midwife you can just like put your dad hat on and stay in that like I'm the birth partner not the midwife essentially (laughs) We, I mean, obviously you're a midwife, you're around birth all the time. And, um, you know, I feel like I'm definitely in a place now where I'm a lot more knowledgeable. I've got a lot more knowledge, I should say, around birth because I have friends who are midwives and yes. we have a lot of conversations about it. And I just think it's so interesting. Like I could talk, or you and I could talk about this for forever. We need but... like 50 episodes and we can <laughs> yeah. get through it. <laughs> this is one of uh, 45 series. Yes. But it, it is like it's something that and the, the more you discuss and I think this is why we need to talk about it because you learn so much more from personal experience, I think, than what you ever would in just a standard pre-rehearsed antenatal class. But you're a midwife, you're around birth all the time. Were you still not like a little bit scared of the fact that you were kind of taking on all that responsibility to birth the baby at home? Like, because I would be... I mean, I'm not a midwife, but it sounds scary. It um, definitely not scared. That's probably not the word I would use. And I would think that um, any woman that had a lot of fear surrounding birthing at home um, and, and those fears are something that you can't, like, really work through, giving birth at home probably is not the best place for you to be. And that's why it's so important to have this discussion because I know, especially with recent events with COVID and all that sort of stuff, it's like, you know, home birth and like um, in the birth world, quote unquote, um, when you've got like lots of doulas and midwives and birth keepers and unregistered midwives and birth photographers and like all these people, sometimes 
it feels like there's a hierarchy of like, oh, I had a free birth like in the woods with, you know, <laughs> you know next to a waterfall and stuff and, you know, like all these things. That sounds it's, terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's totally, totally though. It, it is, does yeah, exist. yeah. It exists. Yeah. And um, I think it's really important to discuss like, that this is a rite of passage that each woman goes through. So you can't just say this is the best thing for every woman to do because it's so individualized. So yeah. um, for me personally, I didn't really have much fear because I have so much trust um, in my body um, as well as, you know, my body's ability to birth. Plus I do have the advantage of, of knowing more than the average person about birth so I can you know like when my waters released I was about 10 centimeters um and I had my eyes shut the whole time so I was like we had a birth pool in the lounge room and um I wasn't really ver- I don't really I'm not verbal when I'm birthing I'm just like in my own little cocoon um eyes shut just had a contraction and during a contraction it just and um, I felt it, obviously, Pop. Yeah. But my husband says to me, oh, you're doing a great job, Dana. Your water's just released. They're nice and clear. Like, because he, he hears so much about me, like, talking about birth. But um, the fact that he said they're nice and clear made me think, well, um, sometimes when people's waters release, it could be that the baby's done a poo and so you might have meconium and there's like different degrees, could be super thick and that might be um, an indicator that the baby's in distress. So just little things like that, that I'm I'm feeling the baby move throughout my labour and birth. Like I felt him kicking all the way up until he came out. Um, I didn't have like any, um, you know, fresh blood or anything like that mm. I knew I could kind of trust that I I had knowledge surrounding that and to kind of you know keep us safe as well and yeah. if there was anything that was making me go oh this isn't right um of course like we would have called an ambulance or gone to hospital or whatever so um yeah. my decision for me was like this is the right thing for me to do I think that's beautiful and I think it's absolutely amazing and I think you know it's all about that choice and figuring out what's right for you but I love that you said that you know there's a hierarchy and whatnot there's all this stuff and I think if you spend time on social media there's a lot of communication now about how you know women need to trust their bodies and Mm. blah 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 but the reality of birth is that it doesn't always go to plan and Mm -hmm. it's not always straightforward and you're a midwife. So you know what to look out for the average person might not. Mm -hmm. And I think that we need to kind of remove that whole stigma around like a natural birth is a vaginal birth at home or in the woods. A cesarean can be natural in the sense that that's what was naturally meant to happen because the baby was stuck or there was issues and we just need to remove that stigma. I agree. You, um, obviously have like a lot more knowledge in this space than the average person but when it comes to questioning I guess what's right for you mm-hmm. I think we do get caught and this is definitely for me like in the first case with Peyton I just trusted that the medical professionals were telling me 
what the right thing was to do. And I was really lucky with her. I didn't have to have any drugs. Um, I didn't have to have any stitches. It was an, quite an ideal birth, apart from the fact that it went for 36 fucking hours, um, <laughs> which was I not bad. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like it was, it was quite beautiful. But even with my experience with Archer and, again, like polar opposite, there's a lot of things at play. We we didn't know if he was going to survive and there was mm. they had to put measures in place. But I look back on it now that I have more knowledge and go, mm, you know, it's that age-old question, could I have pushed back on certain things or could I have done things differently? Yes. Well, retrospect um, is a beautiful thing, isn't it? Because oh, isn't it? And we- this is the thing, like you, you could have made a different choice but then it could have resulted in something and that's completely different right like yeah but but for a first time mum like it's very overwhelming all of these different types of birth like where do you even start to do your own research because we all know that google can just feed you what you want to hear like how do you question or figure out what's right for you well I think the most important thing is to begin when you're considering falling pregnant, like before you're actually falling pregnant, because as we know, there's so, it's so heavily loaded with emotion, choices, like pressure. And to, to pack that into less than nine months, essentially to be like, okay, you've got to decide this, 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 and this. And you're like, whoa, I don't even know like what my options are. I just um, want cheese fries right now. Like, like that's yeah, like I'm <laughs> Which, by the way, I don't appreciate you posting stuff in your stories all the time because I'm like, I need Rolo. Like, I need chocolate. Yeah, man. The messages that I get from you are, I might as well just, um, but every time I purchase something, I'll just pop out like Woolies delivery over to your house. <laughs> you should. You should. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, so in an ideal world, I genuinely believe that, touching on the topics of um, different modes of care and like what research says is best for baby and mum and all this sort of stuff should really start in high school. Like Mm -hmm. I discuss this stuff with my daughters now and they're five and nine. Like I think to a degree, like I'm not going into deep depth about, you know, like physiological, like all this stuff, but I think what leads to a lot of fear in us now, like we're in our early 30s, um, we've spent our whole lives like listening to, well, I've spent my whole life listening to others, like women that um, you might look up to telling you, oh, my gosh, childbirth hurts so much, like you're going to want an epidural or this, that and the other. Like people love telling their scary stories Mm -hmm. which I don't know why like can that not be a thing anymore oh my god stop it because I don't know about you I mean clearly you're going back for a fifth you're not remembering too much pain you forget (laughs) you forget (laughs) but I do I do think you genuinely forget because I I even think about you know with Peyton because clearly Archer it was a planned cesarean um but with Peyton I was like oh you know the contractions weren't that bad, I don't think. And they were fucking terrible, I'm sure. But I I am always like more on the side of look, yeah, it's hard, but you you'll forget and you'll get yes. through it and you'll do it. But it is, it's like there's always that one person who's like, Oh God, I had 
the worst birth in the world. And then normally it's the person who did have a really traumatic or horrible birth that just sits there and goes, it's okay, you'll be fine. Yes. Like, just shush. Yeah, can you can just stop? Just stop it. <laughs> just stop it. I think it's, yeah, so like we're learning all that stuff. We're seeing in movies like when people are having babies in pretty much 99.9% of movies and TVs we see, they're going to hospital and they have an obstetrician and they're pushing yep. their babies out on their backs. That's yeah, what we're seeing. But I'm over it. <laughs> you know, like, so that's, it's like subliminal messaging. Like it's yeah, going into our subconscious mind that, A, these women are screaming in pain, give me a fucking epidural. And um, I think that's where a lot of fear sort of like builds up in us. So I think it's really important to unlearn all of this stuff that we've been like absorbing ever since we were little girls. So there's just so much work that needs to be done. Um, And there's a lot of accountability that I think women need to really like take on themselves and take it in our stride and just be like, right. I'm going to like try to learn as much as I can because this is like arguably, well, I won't argue with it, a more important day than your wedding day. Like we put so much um, planning into our wedding day and research, right? Like the best dress and like what florist am I going to use and the best photographer, like all this stuff. But then when you're having a baby, it's just like, oh, just just turn up there and they'll tell me what to do. Like, no. It's so true. And from somebody who's had to keep replanning their wedding because of bloody COVID. Yeah. <laughs> you know the field. The, the birth is actually much more important. And it's, it's so interesting that you say about that conditioning because, again, with Archer, when we discovered that I had to have a C-section, or I shouldn't say I had to, it was strongly recommended. Yes, it was um, recommended to you. Yes. And, and as if was- you're going to be like, well, nah. this is the thing. Like, I'm. I would never say anything horrible about the specialists that we had because we had a great deal of support, and I had a lot of different people involved in that decision making process. And it was a very unique situation. Yes. Um. And I don't regret it because he got here safely, and you know we were very lucky. But when I was sitting in, you know, sitting in that boardroom and having these conversations, when a whole room of people is saying to me this is the best decision. If you choose otherwise, there's going to be a lot of risk involved. It does put that pressure on you. And when you get to that stage where you've always been taught that a vaginal birth is the the most natural thing that you can do, mm-hmm. and then you're turning around and going, well, I, I'm not doing that. So it, it does put that level of like guilt and shame on you that shouldn't yeah. even bloody exist. Exactly. And it's the same when women choose to have C-sections just because that's their choice, whether it's that's what they want to do or they have, you know, they want that level of control. Mm -hmm. It's like it's looked at as if it's a second-class act when, like, we're just lucky to have that medical ability to have a C-section, in my opinion. Yeah. It's exactly right. Like, and like I, I brought up to you before we started recording this podcast, how I was talking about my friend who was having her third baby and she had her first through a hospital. She three, three birthed, three <laughs> birthed her second baby. And that was her plan for her third. And, um, you know, like I would just chat to her. She's living in America now. Um, and I'd just kind of check in with her as a friend. She had a doula as well. She had an OB and it was, you know, we we're just having conversations and um, she, 
went past 40 weeks. She got to 41 weeks. The doctor was like, look, I really want to do a scan just to check how Bubby's going. She preferred not to, but she's like, look, I'm happy to if it's going to keep you happy, which don't do that. Don't do things so it makes someone else happy, please. But I'm just, she felt okay with that. Like, so they did it and they saw that the babies, the fluid surrounding the baby was becoming less and less, which is a little bit of a warning sign as well. Um, but she's like, no, I still want to keep going a few more days. And there was all this back and forth and her debriefing with me. And I said, look, it, it ultimately is your decision. You're going to feel worse if you feel backed into a corner, like the decision's been made for you. So think yeah. about what you want to do. And and you're the one going, yes, you know, I want, it, I want to be induced or whatever. Um, she got past 42 weeks, had a scan and I, I distinctly remember the night, obviously she's in America, it's Australia, and I think it was like two and two o'clock in the morning here, but I was on a night duty at work and on a break, and I just so happened to have my phone with me. And she messaged me and said, oh my gosh, Dana, um, I've had a scan, I'm at the hospital now, there's no fluid around Bubby. I don't want to be pushed into having a C-section. And I'm like, look, you really need, I know that's not what you wanted. Um, things change. Like we're learning different things. Like here we are past 42 weeks pregnant, um, no fluid surrounding baby. What are you going to do? Like, I know you want to have a home birth, but what are you going to do? And she's like, I don't know. I'm going to have a, um, like a CTG monitor. You know how they put, yeah. Yeah. So listening to Bubby's heartbeat and seeing if mum's having any contractions or uterine activity. And she took a photo of it and sent it to me and I almost had a heart attack. This baby's heart rate was flat. Like it was literally, it was like 120 beats per minute. So that's within normal, but just flat, which is scary. Like if you're trained in reading CTGs, that's scary. And I said to her, like, in my honesty, look, if it were me, I would be having a cesarean five minutes ago. And yeah. she said, right, I'm going to consider that. And she thought about it, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, she ended up having the Caesar. Baby came out okay, praise the Lord. Like now this is years down the track and I spoke to her only this morning and she said, because we could have that discussion and you're not just saying to me, oh my gosh, it's past 42 weeks. There's, you know, this, that and the other, just go have a Caesar. She felt like there was enough information. She felt confident in going, you know what, let's have the Caesar. And she said it was a beautiful birth, like an amazing yeah. birth and has no... Um, some people feel really like sad about how their births turned out when it's not something that you envisioned, but she felt really good about it. And she will say to you, like having a cesarean was no less giving birth than pushing one out of my vagina. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, like it's, I've had a vaginal birth and a cesarean. The recovery for a Caesar is a lot. Like it's it's really it's really tough. Yeah. So you it, you may not have gone through the contractions, or maybe you have. You know, you've had a 
you've gone through that process and then had to have a C-section. Yeah. But the recovery is tough. So you do it just as tough yes. as, as somebody who's birthed, quote, unquote, naturally. Yep. But I think to your point, it is about having that understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, for me personally, I didn't want to have a C-section. It was never in my plan. But I understood, you know, the risks involved and what the situation was. And I did, even though it wasn't originally what I wanted to do, I still had the ability to make that decision. And I think people need to understand that you're allowed to ask extra questions. Mm. You don't have to be told this is just what you're doing. But, you know, you do have to weigh up the pros and the cons. And sometimes it is about thinking about, okay, well, yeah, what's what's this really look like? Am I just holding on to that idea of this type of birth because it's what I have always been told is the best way to do it? Yes. When it may not be the best for my situation. Yeah. And I have a question for you because this is this is a personal question again. You as a person, not as a midwife. Mm-hmm. You had an induction. Yes. And originally this was an idea that was floated, but kind of, they kind of said that it wasn't great for me. But the minute I had um, said to a few people that I may have the opportunity to have an induction, I got nothing but horror stories. People were like, no, an induction is the worst thing that you can possibly do. The contractions are so much worse. You'll tear, you'll end up having a C-section anyway. Like, again, no positive stories. Like, yeah, cool, thanks. Because I'm just choosing to have one. Like, what? My go-go. How was the experience of an induction just for you personally? Yeah, so I, the induction wasn't brought up during before my pregnancy so as far as I knew this pregnancy was just going to go as my second so this is my third one I'm being induced for and I wanted another water birth I was going through the birth center blah 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 everything's fantastic then I started getting itchy um palms and soles of my feet at about 28 weeks and um I was like oh okay shit because I was a student midwife um I was at the hospital like doing a shift one day and I mentioned it to one of the midwives I was like oh I've got itchy hands and feet and she's like how many weeks are you and I said 28 and she's like maybe you need to get a blood test because um you know to check to see if I had this thing called obstetric cholestasis it's something that affects the maternal liver and um there, some research has shown that there is an increase in possibility of stillbirth so they generally as a policy depending on which hospital you're at and blah 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 induce from 37 weeks so that would throw my whole birth plan sort of you know my idealistic I'm going to have another water birth out the window but she called me back and she's like yeah you do have it and I was like does that mean I can't have a water birth anymore and she's like um well the policy is no if you're having an induction and I was like no (laughs) Like I almost cried. I was that upset. And I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with that. Well, you're emotional anyway because you're pregnant, hormones. And then something turning out not how you wanted it to turn out. Like it's upsetting. Um, So then I just, yeah, super upset for a little while and just thought, you know what, like this is my situation now. What am I going to do? So I wrote a birth plan for an induction. And I gave it to my midwife and I was like, I really, really, really do not want my waters broken. 
and I do not want the Sintosin on. She's like, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> anyway. Wait, which, which one is the Sintosin on? That's the drip. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So it starts off, we want your cervix to be dilated enough to go in and break the waters. Once they're broken, then the drip commences if there's no contractions. But I just said, um, if you're not dilated enough, what they'll do is either put a balloon in, which is like a mechanical thing to open the cervix, um, give you prostaglandin gel or cervidil, which is like um, a medication as well that goes inside the vagina. And um, I said, all I want is the gel and nothing else. And she's like, it does not work that way. <laughs> dilate and you're not having contractions. Like, what are we going to do? We can't just leave you. She's um, like, this is not, you are not the midwife in this situation. Yes. Sit down and listen. Like, this is what I want. If I have to have an induction, this is what's happening. They put the gel in um, at five o'clock on a Monday afternoon. Nothing, just kind of chilled there with hubby and whatever. Bubby was happy. And then the next one went in just before midnight. Put it in, still no contractions. Um, and so they're like, all right, we'll just pop you up on the ward. You'll sleep for the night in the morning. Hopefully you'll be dilated enough. That's when we'll go in, break your waters and then start the drip if, if we need to do. So like, sweet. Um, this hospital is 40 minutes drive from my home. And so they said to hubby, you just go home for the night, like drive home. We'll call you when, you know, if anything happens, but otherwise turn up here at, I think it was like 7am. And um, I whispered to him before he left, don't go home, like sleep in the car. And he's like, what? why? I'm like, because I feel like when it happens, it's going to be really quick. Please just stay here. And so my poor husband had to like walk all the way up there at like two o'clock in the morning. No other cars. Like it's windy. It sounds haunted as fuck. Oh, like, and he's sleep, trying to sleep in the car. Just like wind howling. And it was in February, so it was hot as. So he like wanted the window down, but then he didn't want some freak to like attack him. him. So anyway, he's dealing with that. And um, I just went to sleep. And then suddenly at around 4 a.m., I woke up and I kept going to the toilet. Like opening my bowels was like me in early labor. That's how I know. Like I just need to keep pooing. I actually love that though because I think I've spoken about this before um, in this season is that like a lot of people are paranoid that they're going to poo during birth. Oh, man. So you're getting rid of it. I mean, People keep talking about that. <laughs> but I kind of prefer needing to poo in early labor because it's like my body's just cleaning itself out. So yeah. there's less chance of pooing while I'm pushing. Yeah, it's just being like considerate of the baby. Really. Right. <laughs> I asked for an enema when I had my first baby and the midwife was like, <laughs> We don't do that, honey. Like, we don't do that anymore. So I. I was like, I would rather do that than poo on my child. Yes. <laughs> but we don't care. Can I just reiterate that? That, like, you do not care if you poo. Anyway. So, and then I messaged Bo and I was like, you know what? I feel like I could go into labor. And he was like, oh, okay, like, coming. So then I pressed the buzzer. Midwife came in. Hey, how's it going? I'm like, I think I'm having contractions now. And she's like, okay. And so um, she palped my contractions. So palpated them. You know how they just put their hand on your belly and just feel. Yeah. So she had a hand on there for 10 minutes. And she was like, you're having four contractions in 10 minutes and they're lasting more than a minute and they feel really strong. 
Like that's what someone should be doing if they're in established labor. You're in labor. I was like, sweet, I'm just waiting for my husband. She's like, oh, I'll call him now. I'm like, I already called him. So he walks in like one minute later and um, they're like, all right, let's take you down to birth suite. And uh, I said, sweet. And they're like, let's go. I'm like, I can't walk. I actually can't walk down there. And they're like, oh, fuck. So they got a wheelchair and I went to sit on it and I couldn't sit because I could feel like pressure. So I was like leaning to the side of this wheelchair and you could see the terror in the midwives' eyes because they're like, because babies have been born on the ward. Like, oh, yeah, totally. you don't want them to be born on the ward. That's not ideal. We're like zooming down the hallway. Midwife accidentally bumps into the wall mid-contraction, which fucking oh. hurt. Um, <laughs> it was just chaos there's a lot finally made it into birth suite and I'm like I'm pushing now and uh yeah when she was born like I was on my hands and knees and her head came out and my waters still hadn't broken so it looked like she was going to be born in the call oh yeah um and then when I pushed and her shoulders came out then there was like this massive pop yeah sprayed the midwife Bo was mortified, like, what? It was, like, 45 minutes earlier. He's he's in a car. Yeah. He's trying to sleep in a haunted car park. And suddenly I'm spraying the midwife with my amniotic fluid. So um, then the baby cried, like, while her head's just hanging out of me. And then, yeah, the rest of her was born. But so 50 minutes of very intense um, labour. Um, But that is not something that we see very often with an induction. Mm. Usually it's that dragged out, put the gel in, break your waters, let's get the drip up, blah, 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 blah. And therefore um, what you would have heard from a lot of women talking about inductions is that they, oh, my God, it hurts so much. It was far more um, intense, to put it nicely, than a spontaneous labour. So... Mm. I can see why women like will want to tell you that it hurts, but don't tell people that. Like we know what's going to hurt. Yeah. Just yeah. Shh. <laughs> I yeah, exactly. I think though we just we need to have those I guess good news stories where it's not always doom and gloom. And it's the you know, it's the same again with with C-sections. I know a lot of women who've had beautiful, positive, amazing birth experiences yeah. via C-section. Like, you know, and, and on the flip side, I've, I know a lot of women who've had really horrible vaginal births. Yes. So it's just like there is no normal way to birth. That's exactly right. Yep. Speaking of Bo, I think this is from, from a midwife perspective. Clearly he's very supportive and he's like an ideal birth partner by the sounds of it. You know, he's all over it because he listens to you and he's a bit educated. Mm. But do you ever hear men say, or partners I should say, any like really inappropriate things whilst women are in labour? Because I find this so interesting. All the time. <laughs> Give me a couple of examples, I please. I really like beautiful oh. things. I've had men... Yeah, but we don't want to hear about the yeah, no. <laughs> we don't want to hear about the inappropriate stuff. I want to hear the dirt. Yes. I've had um, people fully lose it, like men just completely lose their shit and not even be able to be a support partner, like passing out, um, <laughs> you know, things like that is really off-putting because it's like, hello, this isn't really about you. Like mm-hmm. she's trying to have a baby right now. If you could just, you know. 
bring it back to the room, I will t- I will tell you something. If anyone's going to take anything from this episode, please let it be this. If you are having a male partner, anyone with a penis at your birth, and you have a midwife or you have anyone else present, please tell him to keep his pants on. What? Because there have been many instances. I can say this hasn't happened personally to me, right? But it has It has happened to many friends. It's happened enough for you to mention it. What kind of guy takes their pants off? Okay. So. Are you talking underwear too? Yes. So, so if your partner is getting in the birth pool or in the shower and you're knowing, you know, you're going to get sprayed a bit, you're going to get wet, okay? That's what happens when you're around water. Put oh some God. swimmers on. Don't take everything off because the last, the only penis that a midwife wants to see is a baby's, right? Not a grown man. And, it, like, it happens. It happens. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say the the one thing that comes up a lot with my my friends who are midwives that you know the guy does the whole oh just pop an extra stitch in there dog which is so awkward for everybody yes yep oh my god yeah Um, well yeah there's been a few you know that will be looking down there and obviously we've got to push an entire human out of our vagina it's not going to look as it normally does on a day-to-day so comments like, is it going to keep looking like that? Will oh. it go back to normal? Blah, blah, blah. Not really appropriate in, in oh, birth speed. Oh, my God. Oh, see, that, that could be an episode in itself. I love that. I'm sorry for it. That needs to be an entire episode. <laughs> anyway. Um, now, one of the things that I am a huge advocate for is mum-life balance and sort of taking those moments where you can to reconnect with that person that you were pre-kids or still you as an individual instead of just a mum. And I like to call it the me before mummy. Yes. So what do you do to connect with data pre-kids or just, I guess, to take that time out for yourself? This is a really important topic. Mm. I am probably not the best person to talk to about it because, (laughs) like, I know it exists, but I was so young. I was actually 18 when I fell pregnant with Max. I was barely an adult myself. I... I was a child and then suddenly I'm an adult and mum. I was never um, me as an individual adult woman, like forming my own opinions and like whatever for myself. I never experienced that. And I feel like um, that can be a blessing because I don't go, oh, before I had kids, I could actually like do this. But it's also a curse because I never got to really get to know who I am. And I know when my children get older, I'm going to have to find her myself. So mm. that's my own, like, unique experience. Yeah. Um, but it is something that a lot of women do actually suffer with. What I like to call the maiden before you become the mother, you've transitioned. And, and sometimes it can be a really difficult transition. So I think... Um, when you've got a lot of mother guilt, which comes up all the time, like with women, um, finding the time to actually accept and be okay with doing things that you once found joy in doing without your children, and that is okay. 
um, yeah. because before you were a mother, you were you. She's just she's just being smothered a bit by yeah. all of responsibilities. Yeah, and like evolved. Like you've you're evolved. You yeah. can wear many hats. Like you're yeah. still you, but you're a mom, but you're this and that. But anyway. Man, again, a, a topic that we could talk about completely <laughs> for hours. But I will wrap it up because I know that you've got four children to attend to. Yes. Um, but thank you so much for joining me and for being a part of this conversation. I think it's really important that we do and we just open it up because it's, you know, there is no normal way to birth. It's yeah. all about the unique experience for you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining us for a chat. I hope you got the opportunity to pop a bottle or pop your headphones in and get a little bit of time to yourself. If you did, feel free to share it on socials and tag at Mummy Republic or at Danny Rogers. And if you want to hear more conversations, click on that subscribe button and leave a rating and a review so you can let other listeners know what they're in for. In the meantime, don't forget to take a breath, take some time for yourself and know that you're doing a damn good job. I hope I've inspired you to connect a little more with the me before mummy. See you next week.